Okay, that's a voice that will never grow old. Nina Simone with I Wish I Knew How It Could Feel to Be Free. This is Lead Stories. I'm Retrice Lead, and we pick up from where we left off. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed that the kibosh doesn't get us today, and uh, we don't get knocked off the air today. Okay, so what am I talking about today? I think we should talk about a... Well, we could pick up from where we left off yesterday, if you wish, but I wanted to talk about getting prepared. Uh, we heard from on the news today that... Uh, a high-level official at the United Nations is uh, advising that people, especially in the West, he says, he didn't say specifically the United States, but that's who he's talking about, uh, would start preparing for uh, to be to be directly affected by the Ukraine-Russian war. Uh, it's getting really bad. But we, we've been talking about it. So I'm asking you today, are you preparing or have you begun to make plans to live in a war economy? What changes have you made or are planning to make? What plans should we be considering as a whole in making right now? What should we be considering to do right now? We talked about the fact that it is quite possible that the war in Ukraine will have some major effects here and all around the world. We're hearing that the U.S. economy has constricted and inflation is going up and the banks are also predicting that there will be a recession. So the news all around is that we're in for some hard times, which in turn calls for us to gear up. Are you gearing up? If so, how are you preparing or have you begun to make plans to live in a war economy? 888-874-4888 is the number to call. Let's share what you're thinking at, at this very moment. What are your thoughts? 888-874-4888. Uh, we can't ignore the fact that the hints are being given to us every day now and they're getting more and more dark and dire. So we started out this 
patch of of discussions uh, talking about what we think would happen. Would there be a a major war? And we're seeing indications that uh, the Biden administration is trying to suss this out as well, feeling its way without wanting to alarm people. But let it be safe than sorry. We have to find a, a space somewhere to I'm sorry if you're hearing noises, it's construction. I can't do anything about it. Uh, I've blocked out as much as I could, but it continues. So we, we have to envision the possibility of having a rough time ahead, which means we have to start anticipating it now and putting in place some measure of protection meaning that you you have some way of coming through it or dealing with it it may or may not happen we don't know but it looks like we will be in for a rough time this year Gwen from New York, you start us off today. Hi, good afternoon, Eutrice. Um Good afternoon, well, Gwen. Uh, you know, I listened to your show from yesterday, last night, when I came home, and it was, you know, it was really disturbing, uh, especially what Marcus was talking about, um, and especially the part about uh, New York being targeted, because, you know, I live here in New York, and, and I know very well that, that we're a target, and for years I've known it. And um, it was really sobering to hear that. Now, I have been, I won't say that I've been preparing specifically for a war economy, but the inflation is through the roof. I mean, this is just an example. Uh, A month ago, I bought cat litter, 25-pound bag. It was $7. Two weeks after that, it went up $10. Two weeks after that, it went to $13. So now I'm spending $26 on cat litter. That's a lot of money. So... What I did was I've been going to the grocery store and literally just packing my freezer with as much stuff as I can because I, I know one thing we can be sure, these prices are only going to keep going up, and they're going up very quickly. I mean, even though I was a kid in the 19, I, I guess 1980s or 70s when Jimmy Carter was the president, and I remember hearing about, you know, inflation, um, you know, I wasn't doing the food shopping at the time. I am now, and it's really sobering. And the other thing I do is I try not to let my gas tank uh, go down too far. I try to tap it off because every day the prices go up. So I try to tap it off uh, before it gets to E because now my Toyota from 1995, which used to cost me $30 to fill up, now my tank costs me almost $80 to fill up. I mean, it's really ridiculous. And I don't have a lot of money in the bank, but... You know, I had a little bit, but I decided to take it out because I decided that I don't feel comfortable with what could happen with the banks. So, I mean, for my little piddly bit of money, I decided it'd be better just for me to manage my, you know, my little bit of money that I have. Um, and I guess as far as the war is concerned, that, um, these, you know, these 
these people, as I've said, I, I really truly believe they are mentally ill. They truly believe that they are going to make it through. They will not make it through. No one will make it through this. And uh, I, I, I'm really resentful that uh, they've decided that there's, you know, that there's no other way out of the position that we're in, than we're in uh, other than to, you know, have the biggest war we've ever had, and this will be it. And in the meantime, I hear this morning that we're poking uh, Putin in the eye further and further, and he's letting, he's letting everyone know that they're quite serious, that if you want to keep going this direction, they'll answer. You know, they'll want to, but they'll answer for it. So I'm very, very uncomfortable. And I guess last night after listening to your show, even though I know all those things, and I have to tell you something very strange. You know, before my husband died, he was being very pessimistic. And I told him, I said, you know, Gary Knowles says people that are pessimistic die sooner. And he said, let me tell you something. He said, I don't want to see what you're going to see. And I knew what he was talking about. He didn't want to see what I am going to see. I know that I'm going to see some, some pretty rough times, uh, very uh, things we've never seen before. And um, I just, uh, I, I don't want to see it, but I feel that, you know, you're put in a, a particular place in your life and, and there's a reason that you're there. Maybe I'm here to witness this. I don't know. I don't want to witness it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to have a war with Russia, and I wish that we could have sanity, but it looks like the few power players that are uh, at the top have immersed so much power, particularly under this uh, pandemic. They've, they've just consolidated so much power, and it still feels like we have an unwilling, paralyzed public that is overwhelmed with the constant barrage of uh of bad news and, and hopelessness and people don't feel motivated at all to go out and fight. They don't feel they can win anything. And yet it seems to me logically, if you put this down on paper, the only thing that we, the public do have that are just regular working citizens, the only thing that we have is the power in our numbers. But if you look at the powers and numbers at China right now, I mean, they have the biggest population in the world and they're allowing themselves to be fenced into their apartments. They're literally building fences around their buildings so they can't come out. And so I, I don't, I mean, again, I don't have an answer, but, but these are the ways that I'm preparing. I, I assure you that this inflation, I, it, it, I think it's only going to keep going incredibly fast and incredibly high. And so, you know, that's kind of my idea for me personally is just try to get as many things that won't go bad in the way of dry goods and as many things that I can freeze as possible to hopefully save myself something, you know, during, during these times. Well, could you tell us, um, I mean, you talked about your tap, uh, uh, what do you say? Your tank, your gas tank, you're keeping it mm -hmm. at, at full. And but what else are you doing? Uh, to because a lot of this, from what I'm hearing, is the anxiety that you're feeling. And what would make you, or what do you think you need to feel comfortable in the future, the immediate future? Well, I think that there's two issues here. There's, there is the outside anxiety. I am powerless over people, places, and things for the most part. So then I have to go into my own mind and see if I can get myself situated 
to to get calm in in a in a very uncomfortable situation. And sitting through discomfort is not easy, you know. Uh, sitting through discomfort without doing anything about it, without you know addressing it with uh, alcohol or food or or you know very negative responses, that's really very difficult. But it's something that I've um, <clears throat> I've become pretty pretty good at doing. And what I have learned, like yesterday, is the the simple things in life that that make me feel better, like going to the park and taking a, a a walk, like a big walk. You know, I take a five-mile walk almost every day. And, uh, you know, I can't listen. I can only listen to it for a certain amount of time, and then I've got to go over to something else. So, you know, on TV uh, at night now, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm listening to crap that I didn't even listen to in the 1970s, old old TV shows uh, that are not, um, that are not, t- t- you know, terrible. T- I just don't want to think about this stuff all the time. I feel like I'm a very conscientious person. I listen to the radio. I listen to all three shows on on this station every single day, which are a lot of information. I listen to WBAI. I watch the local news. But you want to know something? I've learned something. You can't sleep at night on all that bad stuff. So by the time it's, you know, 8 o'clock, I, I have to not talk about it anymore and I have to not watch it anymore because I won't be effective the next day. And everyone needs to remember something, that if you don't take care of yourself, then you have nothing to offer the planet. You can't go out and fight the good fight. You can't protest. You can't do it effectively unless you have taken care of yourself first. So, you know, I have my lunch with Gary Noll. <laughs> I like to have my lunch with Gary Noel because I feel, you know, someday I'm going to get to that place of the epitome of health that he speaks about. But he helps me. It helps me to listen to somebody <laughs> talking about it, and it helps. It, it does. It reinforces, I think, yeah. good behavior. And uh, and and I and walking helps me to release a lot of the anxiety uh, that I have. And then, you know, a lot of people don't feel like doing this, but picking up that 500 pound thing called the phone and maybe talking to somebody. And I also try to keep in mind that there are people that have uh, much more serious problems than I do. Um, and, of course, the piece de resistance, Patrice, is my cats. Are you kidding me? They're so cute. Um, I, did something, <laughs> I did something quite radical in September. My oldest cat died, and my other cat was really lonely. And uh, just really just by accident, I went in to get some cat food for, for uh, strays that I feed, and somebody brought in a box of 11 kittens, and I, I took one, and I thought, well, you can't be by yourself, so I took another one. And so these two came into my life, and they have given me such joy. And unfortunately or fortunately, the girl got pregnant, because that boy was nothing but a bad boy. So, um, you know, <laughs> we're so funny. My friend and I are like, expecting parents. <laughs> we, can't, we can't wait. I said when I pick her up, it feels like a whole case of Coke bottles falls to the bottom. So <laughs> these, are, these are the things that I think will keep you. Well, these are the things that are keeping me. Well, I mean, feeling good. In, in all of the in all of the, that you're saying, there's some logic here, and it is about you try to find things that keep you grounded and abate your sense of anxiety. Uh, it may be for you a simple walk or cats uh, or, you know, just change your scenery or picking up the phone, talking to somebody. But you've got to put that somewhere and uh, don't internalize it and, and uh, just bottle it up inside. Thank you for getting us started today, Gwen. Thank you. Thank you. Ali from New York, you're on the air. 
Hi, Idris. How are you doing today? Oh, okay. How are you? Hanging in, hanging in. That's and, um, good. That's and I'm just wanting to um, uh, say hello to all your audience, and um, and I hope they're doing well and adjusting to the new system that we that we have it now. So yeah, I also going to try to listen to your yesterday show because when um, mentioned yesterday uh, today twice already or three times, so I'm pretty sure it was a very good show. So I'm going to try to download the show and listen to it. But I do wanted to answer to um, uh, to your question, and you're talking about what are people. Your question is what are we doing to this? What is happening right now? I would say to people, buy, um, I don't like canned food. I don't really uh, deal with ah. Yeah, I tried. Um, the only canned thing that I have used in my house right now is um, sometime um, milk, that uh, condensed milk and things like that. But I, I stay away from canned food. Uh, I really don't use it in my house. So, but one thing that we could do just to prepare ourselves just in case if there is an emergency will be, and I will start to, I did that before, around the pandemic, and then I got rid of some of them after I saw that expiration day, got a little bit close to the time, so um, I bought some canned food. I tried to buy uh, canned food that is on sale. I'm going to go to probably... Um, our big Whole Foods here, that they have uh, some of the items, they're not too bad, uh, especially the organic um, uh, 365 brand that they have. So I'm going to start doing that. I do have a little bit of uh, supply. My husband, as uh, people, I mentioned that he's, uh, <laughs> he's an American. Americans, they don't believe a lot of time on saving food. They think that they're going to have food in around forever. And especially that we live in New York City, but for what I heard when uh, saying that um, one of the expectations, if something happened, it would be New York would be a target. Um, yeah, so so he doesn't believe in that. He doesn't believe that I should be going out and spend the money on saving food. Um, so, but I do it. I did it before, and I'm going to do it again because you never know. Um, and, and when it comes to to inflation and the prices, this is one thing that we um, we used to eat a lot. Now we have to come down and just make a, um, um, just for a, uh, a special day. I used to, there is a fish, um, it's halibut, and we love, that's yeah. our favorite fish. Um, here in New York, you used to be, you used to find it for $14.99, a pound $17.99, sometimes on sale, $14.99. I noticed the price of that fish um, that it went up to 19.99. Then I saw it for 27 and 29. That fish is 39.99 a pound at the moment. Wow! Wow! Yes. Um, I checked the price. Uh, the first uh, place that I saw it was in the market right here in the Lancet market. I realized, I said, I can't believe it that that fish is thirty nine ninety nine a pound. Then um, two weeks later, I, I saw it at Whole Foods that that is the price that they have that fish now, the halibut. So, um, they, I mean, every time that you go to the to to buy something at the supermarket, it's usually fifty cent to two dollars. 
and depends of the of, of the item. Um, uh, paper goods are very rare; they go on sale. Uh, paper goods are very very high, and and um, and and I and it will affect us. And and everyone that listening to the news, they realize that Latin America is being affected right now more than the United States when it comes to these sanctions. Especially a, a place like Peru. They already, um, Peru, mm -hmm. um, Argentina, I believe uh, Uruguay, because they get the, um, the fertilizers and all those things from uh, Russia. And they are really, really, they're very, very concerned right now because of, uh, they could have a food uh, shortage. Um, I just saw uh, Putin today. I don't like Putin, but then I don't like Biden either. So um, I just want to, I saw him today, and he warned um, the Ukrainian. He warned the Ukrainian because the Ukrainian, as you, everybody's aware, they're getting weapons from all over the world, all this country. They're providing weapons. And, um, and he said, if you attack us with those new weapons, we're going we gonna to take care of you. So um, the warning is out there. We should be concerned of what is going on and why did some of the country, they don't want it to go into negotiation and they don't want to go to nego through negotiation. It's about war and getting to Russia. So um, one of the things that people should do, I will tell, I have given information before when I called about two days ago, um, everyone should listen to the interview of Max Blumenthal interviewing Alejandro Kirk. Alejandro Kirk is um, a Spanish um, journalist. Um, it's in English, it's an English interview. Um, and that interview, um, the way that it was done, if you listen to Alejandro, he sounds very, very sincere. As a matter of fact, one of the things that Max Rumenthal said, uh, he actually corrected him. So go to YouTube and listen to that interview because people, not you only have to listen to CNN and MSNBC and PBS and NPR. You have to listen to other people, people that they are in, on the ground, and people that, he sounded very, very sincere, this man. It's important to listen to that interview. It's Max Blumenthal, and I believe her name is Anna Papibiol, and uh, interviewing Alejandro Kirk. And Alejandro Kirk is in Russia. Is in the area of, not in Russia, because Ukraine is not Russia, in Ukraine, in some area in Ukraine. So um, just listen to it so you can make your own decision and you don't be uh, listening to this propaganda and believe everything that one side tells you what, you know, tell you, um, and then you go ahead, uh, go ahead, because that's what they're doing to the, to the Latin population, to the Spanish people in this city. These people, these Spanish uh, so-called journalists, and 47, 41, I'm going to tell you, it, it, it's shameful, and it's very sad what people are believing right now. So that's what I have to say. Yes, I'm getting prepared. Thank you. I have some, some things, and I will get some more. Thank you very much.
Thank you, Ali, for contributing today. E from Edgewater, you're on the air. Hello, you treats. Good afternoon. Hello. Yes, I'm. 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 I'm seeing things totally different than everybody else, and I'm confused why. It's uh, you know, when you're a country such as the Ukraine, which was once part of Russia, and you live on the same, you share a border, and you want to be totally different than Russia. You want to be a whole different government. Uh, you want to have a whole different system, more like what they have in Poland, Germany, Hungary. But you're right on the border of this country that's a superpower known as Russia. And they don't want a country on their border that's like the West. They want a country on their border that's like them. Because what they're doing to Ukraine right now could be done to them if they allow country to become like uh, Germany, Hungary, Poland on their border. So they don't want that situation to happen. So they're complaining that Ukraine's trying to join NATO. This is what we're told. We also were told the story about Joe Biden, when he was vice president for Obama, went to the Ukraine with a billion-dollar check. And he told, and it was supposed to be for military aid. And he told them, you're not going to get this check unless you fire this person that I want fired and you hire my son and he gets a million dollars for his job he's going to do that he doesn't know anything about. And also John Kerry's stepson is going to also get a million dollars for a job he doesn't know anything about. So that's another story we heard all about. And then, you know, what happened to that billion-dollar check? You see, if you're a country like Ukraine and you're going to live and want to be a totally different country than the country that you're bordering next to, which is Russia, and they're a world power with a big military force, then you have to have a good military force, too, if you're going to try to have this opposite government kind of system or else what's happening now is happening because you didn't do that you didn't defend you didn't make sure you were able to defend yourself in case something like this took place you know you're pushing the envelope but you have nothing to back it up with so now you call the Italian people anybody over 18 all men uh, up from 18 to 60, you have to stay and fight against this Russian military army. And you, you're going to get armed with some rifle that's from the 1950s. And you're supposed to defend your country now. To me, this is not a war. This is, this is a genocide that's being allowed to happen. And it seems to me that Putin was friendly with the United States for 10 years by, by uh, ushering up our astronauts to the space station for us. For 10 years. So what was him, just make him believe he was a nice guy, letting us do that? That tells me that we're friends with Russia. And the, the guy that we put in charge of the Ukraine now, Zelensky, is an actor-comedian. And that tells me 
what he's telling his people to do, stay there and get annihilated, it, it looks like a plan between Putin, Biden, and Zelensky to conjure up this thing that we're all buying into so that we believe that we have to be like the Ukraine people. And someday when we're attacked, we got to get our little pea shooters out and axes and shovels and, and rakes and, and defend ourselves against this military might. This is, this is not a war. I mean, I haven't heard artillery and shelling since World War II. When we went to Vietnam, was that a war? No, we're not on the same border. We're flying all our military stuff over to a country thousands of miles away and annihilating people with napalm and Agent Orange, destroying the whole country. They can't fight back against us and attack our country. They don't have the military power to do that. They're a little country, Vietnam. We destroyed them for no reason and killed 200,000 U.S. servicemen. Had to lose their life for that. How long are we going to allow ourselves to be fooled by this stuff? How long? What we, so what, what, what we did to the Middle East, what should we do? What, in your view, is the, the right response? The right response is to see, like Gary Null is telling us, there's these groups of people in the Ukraine that are attacking the people on the border that are still Russian that, that live in that area. Like it was done to the Ukraine, to the Hungary people that had piece of their land taken away by Russia and given to Romania. And, and then that, that became communist. And these people were trapped in there and persecuted against. And they had to try to escape. You have the same situation going on now with these neo-Nazi people. So there's a lot of things going on that we don't know totally everything about. And for us to think that we can come to conclusions just because what we're being told by the mass media is not a good thing. And we have to get more information for people that are in the know. And I think this is very difficult now because there's not only one narrative. We're getting the narrative from Channel 2, 4, and 7 that there's this war going on between Ukraine and Russia. I don't see the Ukraine uh, firing shells back into Russia. That would might maybe make it look more like a war to me. But they're just allowing the Russians to come into the country, destroy all their neighborhoods and buildings, and try to fight them back somehow. And the press is trying to tell us that they're doing a good job. Yeah, just keep fighting. It's just, and then there's the narrative that Gary Null is following that there's this, that there's this group of neo-Nazis that Putin is trying to eliminate because if they get a stronghold over there, they could become a big force like that. What went on in Germany in the 40s with Hitler is the same thing, right? Instead of using concentration camps, they're just going in and killing people. I can't understand how NATO, the uh, United Nations, Br Great Britain, the United States, 
China, India, all these countries could be allowing what's going on to be going on, and we're sitting back here being tricked by this made-up narrative that can't possibly be true. Just like Donald Trump could never be president if we had a brain in our head to figure that out, that it couldn't be possible. It was just done on purpose to get the situation that we're in now to happen because we were caught off guard and we were terrorized by some orange man that they put in there on purpose to scare everybody to death, thinking that he was the menace to Hitler, when it's really this Biden guy who's been in there for 40 years doing nothing but war hawking. But we're going to believe what the press tells us. I don't have an answer, Yatrice. But I'd like to know. You're not required to have an answer. You're required at least, and you're doing a very good job of it, of raising the questions. That's a big piece of work that you're doing. I know, but it seems to always be falling on deaf ears, Yatrice, because... Uh, people hear what I'm saying, then they come back on the air. Oh, it's a war between Russia and the United States. That's what's going on, and we got to stockpile food now because we're all going to die. This is ridiculous. We're, we're smart people. We have to start using our brain. Gwen, you allowed Donald Trump to destroy your family for no reason. He was a trick. It was a trick. And you're fighting with your brother over your parents. You got to care about your parents. They're in their 90s years old. And you all, your siblings and you, you all have to be on the same page doing that. Loving your parents. Not fighting it with each other. This is a disgraceful thing that we've allowed to happen to ourselves. I can't say any more, Yatrice. All right. But you've said quite a bit. um, Very profound. Thank you very much, E, for calling in and contributing today. Hopefully, you jolted some minds here today. Thank you. Jeremiah from Harlem, you're on the air. Well, thank you, Eutrice, and I want to thank E for his passionate um, expression just now. I totally agree with him. I mean, I think that, you know, the bonds that connect us as human beings, as friends, as family members should be much stronger than this tacky show that they have before us, which again is to confuse us and divide us and, and all the things that, that he was outlining there. So, um, I'm inspired by the previous caller. Um, I have to respond to, uh, our classmate, um, Lincoln from Mount Vernon, I believe he kind of called me out yesterday. It was almost like a, a WWE wrestling call out. Um, <laughs> right, my music comes on and I'm at the top of the ramp and now I'm headed down to the ring. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, Respect Lincoln, first of all. I, I like his uh, his eloquence and his uh, his conviction about what he says. I enjoy his calls. Um, and first of all, I want to make it clear: I'm no apologist for U.S. Uh, crimes around the world. On the contrary, I think all of these crimes should be taken as literal crimes. 
If I had political power, I would take all of the living presidents, all of them, and I would put them in jail, basically. Put them in prison, wherever war criminals deserve to go, because I think that's what they all are. And it really disturbs me in our society that we respond so much more um, passionately to ordinary street crime, which of course can be terrible and distressing, but then we act as though international crimes are legitimate. I mean, even the term war crime itself, I find to be um, a bit of a strange term because I think war is a crime and we should all understand it as such. So when I criticize Putin or I call him a man of war, um, I don't think it makes sense for Lincoln to then cite a bunch of crimes that this country committed and use that as a justification for Putin's actions. I couldn't agree with him more that all of those things are crimes. And if Putin has not been as aggressive in his foreign policy as the U.S. has, that doesn't absolve him of his crimes. Like if someone is a mass murderer and kills 100 people, do you then use that as an example to justify the murder of three people or some lesser number of people than 100? That's just not how morality is supposed to work. I mean, um, you know, the way Lincoln admires Putin reminds me of uh, Machiavelli and the way he admired, what was it, the, the Borgios or one of the, one of the classical uh, Italian kings or despots or whatever from that time of feudalism who invited a bunch of guests over and then had them all slaughtered at the dinner table. It's yes. like, you know, Lincoln's admiration for Putin reminds me of Machiavelli's admiration for that sort of ruthlessness. Um, I just don't understand why a so-called ordinary person, and I think we're all stars in our own right, I don't think any of us are per se ordinary, we're all unique individuals, etc. But an ordinary person meaning a person who is not ultra-rich, who doesn't have the means of starting wars or influencing global policies or uh, so on and so on. I don't understand why any of us folks who need to put our pants on one leg at a time, who need to you know, walk down to the grocery store and buy our own food and walk back home and cook our own food, why would we admire these people with all the power that they have? They don't deserve that kind of power. That's a distortion of this world. That's a the perversion of this world that these people have this distorted power and that they can launch into military activities that wind up destroying people's lives, killing people literally. I mean, when Ukraine gets attacked by Russia, there's there are people in hospitals, there are women in hospitals giving birth to babies when he decides to do that. There, there are sickly people who don't have the means of running from from the violence. So, I mean, why would you admire such actions? I don't get it. I mean, I understand Putin is a judo master. You know, a lot of these uh, foreign leaders, they're, they're from a different ilk. Um, I shouldn't say foreign because, you know, we're foreign to them. I mean, a lot of international leaders, I know there's a lot of uh, leaders historically, um, you know, had more of sort of a hands-on approach. Like, for example, I find it fascinating that Stalin's name, Stalin, is a nickname. It means steel. He was known as a, as a hard kind of dude who came up the ranks. Mao Zedong, regardless of what we may think of him 
historically, he was on the long march. They went province by province and systematically removed the landlord class. That's different than our sort of charlatan-style politicians. I guarantee you, Joe Biden does not want to tangle with uh, Vladimir Putin in terms of any kind of hand-to-hand combat. The man comes from the hardened military experience of being a former KGB chief operative. Um, And, of course, Biden's older than Putin, but I don't think at any point, I don't think that Biden in his physical prime could deal with Vladimir Putin right now at the age of 69 because he's a hardened man. He's a tough man. He, uh, he, you know, he's a more serious politician, I would say, and a more serious leader, regardless of what you think about his policies than the type of tawdry leaders that we're used to uh, staring at on television. I gr- I'll give him that. But why would we have any admiration for people who can launch into military uh, policies and military actions that wind up harming children and elderly people and displacing people and causing refugee crises all around the, the world? And, you know, it's just terrible stuff. I don't know why we admire the powerful in this matter. I don't. I don't think these people deserve our admiration one bit. And I think if they could all be removed from power and replaced with people who actually have some regard for the human race, that would just be a wonderful thing. But of course, they didn't get to where they are thinking about so-called everyday people. They got to where they are operating in power concepts. And they view the world in terms of megabodies which is a unit that represents one million corpses. They lack human emotion. They lack regard for, for other living beings on the planet. It's apparent. And that's not admirable. Thank you for calling in and contributing today. Thank you. Thank you. Marcus, you're in Wisconsin. You're on the air. Thank you very much, Utrice. Really great discussion. Um, Jeremiah gave me a Uh, sort of a starting point to link this together, what I'd like to say, uh, by mentioning Machiavelli. Um, First of all, the premise of your program when you opened was that we're experiencing this inflation because of the events in Ukraine. There is not a particle of evidence for that. There's not a sliver of truth in it. Inflation had been rising for many, many months before the COVID scare. This is this is propaganda cover. There, there's no reason to believe anything that comes out of the mouths of anybody in this administration. Look, this is a much larger context that's that's necessary to understand what's going on. The the U.S., over several, many years, the rest of the world is aware that the U.S. is on the way out as a hegemon. It doesn't mean we're not going to be players anymore, but we are not going to be the big kid on the block. Saudi Arabia is starting to trade oil in Yuan. The U.S. is 
leading allies. You may remember recently when Zelensky was in uh, Israel, he was told by Bennett to do what Putin tells him to do. You see, Mexico is disobeying U.S. dictates. This, these are all signs. This has been going on for a long time. The people are, the countries of the world are beginning to align with the BRIC countries. People align with who they see is going to protect their interests. You know, uh, political alliances can't stand two years of social development before they're the exact opposite. Just, you know, who was our ally in World War I? Well, they were our enemy in World War II. Uh, you know, uh, ISIS and Al-Qaeda were our terrible enemies. We created them, in fact. Now they're our allies. Well, I mean, politically, this stuff is meaningless. This is a war by the American elites, the American-centered elites, on the U.S. population. This is what is known in other terms as austerity, which is just a euphemism for class war, the rich against everybody else. And the, the fake left, the, the profoundly ignorant left in the United States, cannot recognize austerity or class war if it's sanctified with the right kind of propaganda. Oh, it's the terrible suffering of the Ukrainians, or it's the terrible COVID, or it's the, it's the uh, Iranian terrorists and the weapons of mass destruction. The, the, the point that Jeremiah made about Machiavelli is right on. Uh, you know, The Prince, which is the book he's referring to, uh, Machiavelli wrote that book for a very specific royal audience because Machiavelli was trying to accomplish an end. He, he wrote other things. Go read his discourses, and you'll see Machiavelli himself was actually a very moral man. But he was trying to find himself... Uh, in the good graces of the power at the time. He wanted, he was a careerist. He wanted to advance himself. This is what we have been doing all along. This is what brought this about. It's what Orwell called protective stupidity. It doesn't mean we are stupid. We use, uh, we use our Stupid, uh, our projected stupidity as a kind of armor to protect ourselves from truths we don't like, like the truth that we allow psychopaths to rule us as long as they put up this slight veneer of empathy and morality, then we'll stay wallowing in our nice warm sky of propaganda and we won't do anything. So we're in a situation like this where we'll now we're ready. Oh, what should we do? We're going to have food shortages and we're going to have to, you know, dig roots with our fingers and live in the woods. We'll go through that, but we won't organize around the project of revolutionarily changing things, which would be a tiny fraction of the trouble you're willing to go through now.
It, it makes no sense. I've been watching this all my life. You know, I mean, remember when regime change was a conspiracy theory? That was just a few years ago. Now it's just accepted. Now we do it for the cause of democracy. And the left buys this. This is what I'm talking about. Has anybody been paying attention over the past uh, 40 years to the, to the way the government uses the permanent emergency declaration? They could call it emergency declaration. Uh, Biden just declared his first so he could send uh, billions to Ukraine in arms. Well, the, the, these, there are over 40 of them. Emergency declarations in place, many of them many decades old, in order to justify arms sales, uh, uh, COVID lockdowns, opioids, uh, 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 school shootings, Ukraine, Yemen, Iran, Afghanistan, billions to dictators, you're a domestic terrorist. And it's all, it's allowed to happen because they declare an emergency declaration and the West just stands and blinks. Nobody says a thing, including the so-called independent media. It's just a joke. We talk about the importance of voting. The overwhelming majority of voters since Lincoln's time don't pay any attention to it. The vast majority of the eligible electorate thinks it's such a joke, it's not worth taking part in. And they're right. Now, there is an example right before us, right now, of what we should be doing and what we should have been doing. I don't, rec- and strangely, I don't recall him ever being mentioned on this program, although I, I hear constant talk about. Kamala Harris, who is just a national security state stooge, but Mr. Christian Smalls, who was an Amazon employee, has successfully organized the Amazon workers in Staten Island, which is known as Trump Island. And, And how did he do it? Because he didn't endorse any politicians. They have a strict rule of no politics. Everybody is involved. Solidarity means it's you're focused on organizing, not jabbing about politicians. I mean, I'd say all of this ruse is too pat to believe if it had been done with any skill. But they don't even have to put any effort into this propaganda for people to believe it. It's just transparent. Parent lies. You know it's lies. But like Machiavelli, you are going to play along and see if I can worm my way into a nice, comfortable career in this monstrosity. That's the problem. Not that not that there's a food shortage or something. There isn't. This is artificially constructed completely from beginning to end, it always is. The problem is, as Orwell phrases it, our protective stupidity, our cowardice, uh, our craven cowardice to recognize what's necessary and accept the responsibility for doing it. Look, politically, politically, we are still stuck in the systems of thought 
of the Greek and Roman slave states, no matter how much we rant about democracy, the task is that social existence and its management has to be changed by us to be in accordance with the tasks and needs of the masses of people. That's the job. We won't accept it so that we can stand on the sideline and pray that some politician will do it for us. They are never going to do it. Never, ever, ever. That's the point as far as I'm concerned. Amen. Thank you very much for your lesson today. Thank you, Marcus, for calling in. Thank you. You're welcome. Leona from Michigan, you're on the air. Greetings, Latrice. Uh, greetings to your audience. Greetings. Uh, yeah, I know mm-hmm. time's kind of short here, so um, thank you for asking the question, and thank you for asking all of the questions that you've been at, asking, you know, over the past shows and things like that. And I, I, I'm, I've come to believe that it may be true that all problems are solved through the process of questions and answers. Um, and, and I want to share some questions. Well, here, here's the deal. I, uh, I got an email, and uh, it, w- it was saying that uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, if, if, if it's true, he, he, well, there's some questions being asked that have been ascribed to Vladimir Putin. Okay, the first question is, are there sanctions against Israel for killing for the killing and destruction of innocent Palestinian women and children. Two, are there sanctions against America for killing innocent women and children in Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, Cuba, Vietnam, and even stealing their diamonds and gold? Three, were there sanctions against the United States and France for the killing of Muammar Gaddafi and the destruction of Libya? Four, has an American or NATO soldier ever been punished for raping and torturing innocent women and children from all mentioned countries. And the fifth question, the final one, are there sanctions against France for causing crisis and unrest in several African countries? You know, and, and for myself, I, I, I don't know if it's true, but I, I've never heard of Russia setting up a colony on the continent of Africa. I know that back in the day uh, when the Soviet Union was uh, up and running, they provided a lot of help to Cuba and Cuba has been under sanctions for 60 years plus. And those sanctions actually kill innocent people. But um, uh, I know time is short. Ideally, no one should be mistreated. I, I would like to see a world where, where, where nobody is mistreated. Um, a guarantee of no one being mistreated. But that's not how it's laying right now. But I'm willing to put energy into, you know, helping make that that happen. So I hope I'm not too far off topic, but I just wanted to plug that in today. Oh, and, oh, and oh, also, there's this guy, there's this uh, retired general named, uh, let's see, what's his, uh, Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson, former chief of staff to Secretary of State Colin Powell. And he issued a warning about a week ago where he says that uh, Israel is dragging the United States into World War III. Uh, for whatever that's worth, I, I'm I'm still reading that particular article, but 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 it's important uh, at this point in time 
uh, to, uh, I guess, ask questions and uh, get at the truth. So that's all I wanted to share, Eutrice. Well, thank you very much, Leona. Thank you all. Thank you, every single one, for the issues you have raised today, the questions you have asked, the answers you have given, and the prodding you have also given us to get uncomfortable and to examine and re-examine where we are. We'll continue this discussion tomorrow. But thank you so much for today. It was a great day. Bye-bye.